we come this morning to our third study in the first epistle of Peter. So if you have your Bible with you or your New Testament, we'll start reading at chapter 1, verse 23, and finish at verse 8 in chapter 2. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. And being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth in him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. And we know that God will add his blessing to this reading from his own inspired truth. Now, before turning to these verses, I wonder, could I ask you about the evening service? It has been encouraging to see the people coming out to the evening as well as the morning service. Now, we are studying the lives of Bible kings. And this evening, we are going to look at the life of a king who was a bad loser. Now, I wonder what you do in the evening time on the Lord's Day. I wonder if you're not found in God's house, can you really look into the face of God and say, I have a genuine reason for not being in the house of God. 
Now, if you're not at church this evening, I trust that you'll be able quietly to bow before the Lord and pray for the evening service because you genuinely couldn't attend yourself. Now, keep that in mind, won't you, for the evening service. Now, the theme of the sermon this morning is simply this, the best of books. And the best of all books is the Bible. Because it is God's inspired, infallible, inerrant word. That is why the Bible is different from every other book. Listen to the testimonies of those who held the Bible in great regard. And also hear the testimony of at least one who did not acknowledge God as Savior, but had a great reverence for the Word of God. Among the testimonies I'm going to read are those by statesmen and presidents and at least one sovereign. Thomas Jefferson said, The Bible is the cornerstone of liberty. Abraham Lincoln said, In regard to the great book, I have only to say that it is the best gift which God has given to man. George Washington declared, It is impossible rightly to govern the world without God and the Bible. Daniel Webster, There is no solid basis for civilization but in the Word of God. If we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will go on prospering and to prosper. Napoleon Bonaparte. This is what he said about the Word of God, and he certainly wasn't a Christian. The Bible contains a complete series of facts and of historical men to explain time and eternity, such as no other religion has to offer. What happiness that book procures for those who believe it. What marvels those admire there who reflect upon it. And of course, the famous words of Queen Victoria when asked the secret of Britain's greatness, the Bible. That was her testimony to the Word of God. And we are going to look at the importance of the Word of God today in a threefold way. First of all, its importance family-wise. Then its importance food-wise. Then its importance foundation-wise. Its importance family-wise. Its importance food-wise, 
its importance foundation-wise. In verses 23 to 25, we have its importance family-wise. And when we speak about the family, in the context of these verses, we speak about the contrast between earthly and God's divine families. Because Peter tells us that we're not born again of corruptible seed. In other words, when a child is born into this world, it is brought into this world by the union of man and woman. But that birth is brought about by corruptible seed. But when we speak about the family of God, those who are born into the family of God are those who are born of incorruptible seed, the Word of God. In John 1, verses 12 and 13, we read, But to as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We speak about natural birth when we speak of blood, the will of the flesh, and the will of man. We speak about spiritual birth when we speak about the operation of God in the life of a person. And that is why Peter says, if we are in the family of God, it is because we have been born again. We have been led to that truth by the knowledge and through the knowledge of the incorruptible seed of God's Word. The Word of God is planted within the heart just as the sower went forth to sow. The Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and plants it in the heart of a sinner in order to produce life that will bring that sinner into the family of God and make that sinner a child of God. You see, the Word of God tells us four very simple yet basic things regarding salvation, regarding the new birth, regarding our entrance into the family of God. You see, the Word of God tells us, first of all, why we need salvation, why we need a new birth. Psalm 51 verse 5 tells us very plainly and very clearly that we are all shapen in iniquity. From birth we are born going astray. 
The Word of God tells us in John 8, verse 44, if we are not in the family of God, and these are the words of Jesus, he said, ye are of your father the devil. You cannot have two fathers. God is either your father or the devil. The word of God is also very clear in Ephesians 2 verse 3. That if we are not in the family of God, then by nature we are children of the devil and children of wrath. The word of God paints that picture about the person who is not in the family of God. A child of wrath, a child of the devil. The Bible tells us how we obtain salvation. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Peter, the old fashioned preacher, as he looked at his audience and preached to them, when he came to make the appeal, this is what he says, repent and be converted. Oh, he got it right, didn't he? Repentance and then conversion. A sorriness for sin and a turning away from sin. A whole change of direction. The next 16, verse 31, in reply to the question, what must I do to be saved? The apostle Paul could declare, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. In other words, abandon all hope of finding salvation in yourself. Trust Christ alone for salvation. The Bible tells us when we should accept salvation. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And if God is calling someone in this church to salvation, to enter the family of God, then he says, do it today. And once we realize why we need to be saved, how we can be saved, when we should be saved, then the Word of God brings to us the assurance that we are saved. John 6, verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. And if he doesn't cast you out, he takes you in. And the hymn writer, summing it all up, said this, Soon as my all I ventured on the atoning blood, the Holy Spirit entered, and I was born of God. Oh, the importance of God's word 
when it comes to leaving the family of Satan and getting into the family of God. Without the book, there's no birth. Secondly, it's important food-wise. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, where Peter speaks about desiring the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, as an earthly child needs food in order to grow and develop, so the child of God needs spiritual food in order to grow and develop and mature in the things of God. For 2 Peter 3, verse 18, exhorts us to grow in grace. And we can't grow in grace unless we feed upon the Word. In 1 Samuel 2, verses 18 and 19, Samuel's parents brought him up to the tabernacle at Shiloh. And there he served the Lord. And every year after that, his mother brought him up a new coat. Now, why did she bring him a new coat? Not just simply because the other one was wearing done, but because he was outgrowing the other one. And that's why he needed a new coat every year. Christian, are you still wearing the same size of coat as when you were saved? And I'm not talking about the ordinary garment because I'm sure some of you already have had to get a few sizes bigger. Maybe some of you are fortunate and you're able to take your clothes in. But I'm not speaking about that. I'm speaking about spiritual growth. Tell me, have you grown since you were saved? I remember a man, 38 years on the road to heaven, coming to a young believer in Christ of three or four years salvation and asking that young believer for a little word that he, the older Christian, could give at a meeting he was asked to speak at. Hadn't grown. Tell me, Christian, have you grown since you were saved? If you're not growing, you're not reading the book. You're not studying it. You're not obeying it. Not only to grow, but to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we read the book, they get to know him better. And if you and I are going to commend Christ to others, we've got to know him. And it's only through the study of God's word we get to know him. And the more we get to know him, the more we want to share him. Oh, we need the word of God if we're going to defeat the devil. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, the word of God is called the sword of the Spirit. It's part of the armor of the Christian. And the Bible is given not just for defense, but to attack as well. 
If you are at the feet of Christian this morning, if you're in a backslidden condition, it's because you have set aside the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. For no child of God ever backslid who hadn't, first of all, set aside the teaching of God's Word. The importance food-wise, if we're going to grow, if we're going to know, if we're going to win, the importance of the Word of God food-wise, if we're going to bring others to Christ. Psalm 126, verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Oh, if you're going to see others saved, you'll better get to know the book. You'll better get to know why they need to be saved, how they can be saved, when they should be saved, and the assurance that comes when they are saved. No matter how simple the knowledge, get it. And when you do point someone to Christ, I'll tell you this, you'll have a joy in your soul that all the world couldn't give and can't give. You see, in the natural order, if we're going to have a good appetite, we have got to be careful we don't allow things to spoil it. And you hear about people going off their food. And something is detected that's causing this. And so they would seek medical advice to put that right. Now, why do many of God's people lose their appetite for the Word of God? You find the spoilers of the appetite in verse 2. And verse 1. Wherefore laying aside all malice. And malice is every manner of wickedness. Laying aside all deceit. And deceit is gain at the expense of the trust of others. Someone puts out the hand of friendship to somebody. And the only reason why they're doing it is to see how much they can gain from that person's friendship. Maybe they help someone and they're doing it in order to see how much they can make from it. That's deceit. Hypocrisy. Acting the part of a Christian as the occasion demands in worldly company, they act like the worldlings. And then when they're company of God's people, why, they're like we saints dropped out of heaven. They wear a coat to suit every occasion. How many coats have you in your wardrobe? When you're in work, do they know you're saved? 
At school, do they know you're saved? In the street, do they know you're saved? In your social company, do they know you're saved? Or do you just keep your religion and your Christianity for Sunday? Or for the company of God's people? Jealousy. Envious of others who may have more material things than you. Maybe better health than you. Maybe more money than you. Maybe better prospects. And you look at them. And instead of thinking about the added responsibility they have when they come to give an account to God for these things, we're envious. And we want that they have, and yet God doesn't intend us to have them. Slander. Evil speaking. Telling lies about someone else. I hear people talking about half-truths. There's no such a thing. I hear people talking about wee white lies. There's no such a thing. Lies are as black as hell and as dark as Satan himself. And these are the things that spoil the appetite of God's people. Now tell me, if you have lost your appetite or are losing it, is it because of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, slander? Look back over the past week and ask yourself the question, have I been guilty of any of these? Over the past weeks, over the past months, over the past years, have I been guilty of these things? Is that why I have no appetite for the Word of God? You know, as a little humorous advert comes on the television, doctor, doctor, I need a prescription. And you all know that, don't you? It's easy to know the ones you have television. When you mention something, the smile or otherwise... And I'll tell you, an awful lot of Christians would need to use those words in a reverential way to the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, a great physician, I need a prescription. There's something wrong with my appetite. And you know, the prescription he'll write out. Verse 3. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And listen, if you feed upon the graciousness of Christ, and the goodness of Christ, and the love of Christ, and the truth of Christ, you'll not have these things in your lives. Feed upon Christ, and you'll have no room for these things. Oh, the Bible is important when it comes to spiritual growth. We need to feed upon the Word, and then last of all, it's important foundation-wise. For Peter in chapter 2, verses 4 to 8, He's telling us in verse 6 in particular, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believe in him shall not be confounded. In other words, Peter is saying, Christ is one upon whom you can build your hopes for eternity. God has said my son is the foundation stone for a safe eternity. 
You see, that's why Peter said he's the appointed one. Behold, I land Zion. But Peter also says he's the approachable one. For we read in verse 4, to whom coming? Ah, the Lord Jesus Christ is approachable. No matter who wants to come, they can come. Oh, he's the assuring one. If you believe in him according to verse 6, you'll not be confounded, you'll not be disappointed. Ah, it's great when he's the appreciated one. In verse 7, Unto you therefore it's belief he is precious. Child of God, is he not precious to you this morning? If he's precious to you, say it. He's precious. He's precious to you. But he's not precious to everyone. For those who don't build upon him, there's no preciousness in him. And these verses tell us about those who don't build upon him. And what's their fate? Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. When the testing time comes in eternity, when God's wrath sweeps in judgment across sinners who didn't build upon Christ, throughout eternity they'll feel the wave after wave of God's judgment and there'll be no hiding place. Sinner, if he's not precious, if you're not building upon him, start building today. Would you escape the awful sentence? From destruction flee. Seek the Lord by true repentance. Haste the Calvary. Ah, start building today. Your life upon Christ. Be safe and time. And for eternity, the importance of the Bible family-wise, food-wise, foundation-wise. Let's sing in closing.